Strive Coaching Studio, guiding business leaders to meet the highest version of themselves. And now, here's Michelle, certified coach and founder of Strive Coaching Studio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to podcast number four today. This is a super powerful message today, one that has impacted me tremendously and has truly helped and guided me most in my path over these past few months. I hope it can help you just as much as it's helped me. The question I have for you is whether you believe our brains can be trusted. And I'm going to predict that without even thinking about it, your answer is already yes. It is our brain's job to keep us alive and safe. It's done a really good job so far, right? It's told our lungs to breathe and our heart to beat, our legs to walk and our mouth to drink and swallow a glass of water. And it's kept us from running into traffic and getting hit by trucks and jumping off cliffs. So it must be right about all the other things we know to be true and believe, right? Well, what if the answer is no or sometimes or it depends or maybe we're not sure? Or what if the answer is yes, but only when we manage it and we watch it properly? When I'm aware of when it's up to its trickiness and when it's doing its job and I learn about it, I can trust myself to know better and know best and learn how to watch it really carefully. So I want to share something really powerful with you that can be life-changing for all of us. Let's talk about how we can all learn to understand and better trust our minds. So this story grabbed me. In 1957, a psychologist named Leon Festinger published research findings surrounding a fairly simple and easy to understand topic, but it has a somewhat intimidating name. The term is called cognitive dissonance, simply explained as the state of uneasiness when you have inconsistent beliefs or behaviors. Cognitive referring to our intellectual ability to think, reason, and remember. It's an inconsistency between a person's self-concept of what they think or believe and their behaviors or actions when the two just aren't matching up. So it refers to a situation involving conflicting attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors, and it produces a feeling of mental discomfort. So our brains don't really like this discomfort, and they want to attempt to resolve this dissonance or reconcile it somehow to reduce the discomfort and, the, and restore balance. The power of what our mind does in order to restore this desperately needed balance is incredible. And once we understand it and what it's doing, it can be used to serve us in such a powerful way. When we don't take the time to understand it, it's still going to be occurring and it will still be very powerful, but it may not be serving us. Or it could be working against us as it works subconsciously without our supervision. So when cognitive dissonance was first investigated by Leon Festinger, it was a study arising out of a participant observation study of a cult, which believed that the earth was going to be destroyed by a flood on December 21st, 1954. And then what happened to its members, particularly the really committed ones who had given up their homes and jobs to work for the cult after the flood did not happen. So while some of the fringe members were more inclined to recognize that they had made fools of themselves and chalk it up to experience, the seriously committed members were more likely to reinterpret the evidence to show that they were right all along, that the earth was not destroyed because of and due to the faithfulness of the cult members. Our brains must find a way to reconcile or alter one of the attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors to reduce the discomfort and restore balance again. 
our brains need consistency to be restored. It's mentally uncomfortable. It's tension to experience this dissonance. So the brain wants to find a way to feel better. Our ability to reconcile and resolve this dissonance is based on a couple of things. Our resistance to change, how much we identify with the belief, the satisfaction we get from the behavior, or how much change or loss it will cost to change the behavior. For example, a person who smokes cigarettes knows the dangers and risks of smoking, yet the benefits and satisfaction the smoker gets from the cigarettes isn't worth the cost to stop the addiction. So how does this all apply to our day-to-day -day and what can we learn? Let me give you an example of how I was recently affected by cognitive dissonance. I wanted to stop working in the occupation I had had working my entire adult life. I've worked hard for the past 20 years and I wanted to stop and start something new. But for all the many reasons I really wanted to stop working, I mostly wanted to become a person who no longer worked and become someone who's gonna figure out how to start something new. I wanted to become a person who no longer had the distractions of the responsibilities of a company and those people in order to become a person who focused on home, family, marriage, and pursuing a new dream. But then I did stop. I woke up on a Monday morning and I didn't need to go to work. I didn't need to go anywhere or really do anything. So now what? I couldn't believe it was Monday morning and I really had nothing to do. I truly didn't even know who I was. I had become that person in actuality, but my brain hadn't become that person. The two things weren't matching up. It was like I was a foreigner or an alien, as if someone had plucked me out of one world and plopped me down into a new one. It was as if it had almost happened against my will, um, surreal almost. But that wasn't true. This is what I wanted. I had a goal. I had achieved it. And now here I am with it. Getting my brain around it, though, and reconciling it, that was a whole other story. So notice my brain questioning the decision as to whether or not it was even good or right for me. Then I noticed my brain not being able to even identify myself and what it has always known. So I really understood why retired people have such difficulty adjusting. I was stressed. It caused me anxiety. I didn't know what I should be doing. I felt I should be being more responsible and more productive. So this is what I wanted very much. I truly had no regrets about my decision since I knew I had given the decision-making process everything it deserved. And I was solid in the decision to do this. But becoming the new person I needed to become to fit into the new life didn't happen at the same time as the action occurred. My brain wanted to keep on running very smoothly and efficiently without any hiccups or changes, no wreaking havoc and chaos on all that it has known for so long. Can you see how regret could kick in if you're not solid and confident in your decision? So this lasted over a month. I called my friends and my family and I really felt bad about myself for feeling this way when it was something I really wanted. So I felt a little lost. Our brains need us to resolve this by either changing the behavior or action, or the brain will rationalize our choices in a variety of ways to find the good, find comparisons to justify or validate it, for itself to be settled again and resolve this mental identity crisis that it's having. My brain needed to grow into believing the new person I had become. 
Some people go back to work right away to resolve it, thinking that the uneasiness and mental tension means that they shouldn't be doing it and have made a wrong turn. Some people find other ways to resolve it. Fortunately for me, I happened to hear this term explained to me completely by accident one day while I was experiencing it, and the light bulb went off for me to help me understand what was going on. So thankfully, once I understood it, I found much more patience with myself as I was going through it. In 2014, a study was conducted on college students who did not want their tuition increased. The college required that the students all write a paper on all the reasons why tuition should be increased. So following this study, not only had most of the students changed their minds and their opinions after writing these papers in support of tuition increases, but they didn't even relate or identify with the person they were before when they believed the opposite. The study suggests that we actually skew our own memories through how our brains work through the process of resolving these competing beliefs or attitudes. So now after being gone from my company for nearly three months, I've become the person who doesn't work there anymore and the person I am now. When we really begin to understand what our brain is doing and why it's doing it, we can truly recognize this as a skill that can serve us that is extremely powerful. It will allow us to grow our minds, ourselves, and all that we're capable of doing. Our brains are efficient. They love maintaining what they know and doing it the same way they've always done it. If we have a goal to no longer eat sweets and then one day we eat sweets, it's purely because our brain hasn't become the brain of a person who doesn't eat sweets. How will you know when you've become a person who doesn't eat sweets? Well, you won't eat sweets anymore. So I'll give you another example. I was told two months ago that I needed to ideally create three podcasts for my new website. My belief was that I'm not sure I could create podcasts. I knew someday I would for sure, but not now. I had barely even been gone from my previous company for a month. What would I even talk about? Nobody will even want to listen to me right now. So I had doubt whether I even, even could do it, let alone get my head around what I would do. So then I decided I would create one podcast per month. I thought that was very doable. So I did. I created a podcast. Then I thought to myself, okay, maybe I can do this. So I created all three podcasts and I did it in a 45 day period as a project. And then it hit me, the dissonance actually hit. I didn't even realize I had done what I had just done. And I thought, am I really a person who can do this? I wasn't going to do this at all. Even though I had done the actions and completed the task and met the goal, my brain didn't believe that I had become the person who does that. The two were not matching. Seeing it all go live and become a reality made me really question what the heck was going on right now. And my brain wanted me to turn around and run away as fast as possible. All the doubts, all the fears, all the question marks all came in. And then once I settled down and my beliefs started to shift, I realized who I am and what I'm capable of doing. And I realized if I could do those three, I can do one every week now. And now my commitment is that I am going to record a podcast every week. I became the person I needed to become to do that. Isn't it incredible what our minds do to us? Through this spin, I could have chosen to not create any podcast at all. 
or I could have stopped after one, two, or three. I could choose to do one every few months or one per month. It didn't really matter. By the way, there would have been nothing wrong with any of those choices. But now that my brain has caught up with my actions and my belief, it's instead of I've become a person who creates them. Are our beliefs and actions based on evidence? Are we letting our brains play the tricks it plays on us? Or are we on to it as we go through the process? Here are some of the ways that our brains want to reconcile and ease the dissonance and discomfort. Something to be aware of each time. One way is that your brain will want to change the thought. It seems simple and it can be, but it's not always easy. It requires of us and it challenges us. So when that happens, ask if it's really true. Is it really true that you didn't want to stop working? Is it really true that you can't create a podcast? Is it really true that you don't want to eat sweets? So ask whether it is serving you to believe that thought. Do you want to begin believing that smoking is harmful to your health? Challenging it is key. Number two, changing the behavior also seems simple and it can be. But anybody who has quit smoking typically doesn't say it's easy. It requires a lot of us. Number three, add new thoughts into the mix to rationalize. Yes, you can believe both things all at the same time. You might justify it. I know smoking is bad. I'm not going to quit, but I also eat really healthy and exercise. Maybe two things can be true at the same time. Our brains would prefer that everything fall into the good or bad categories or the right and wrong categories. It's much simpler that way, but that is not always accurate. In fact, it is rarely accurate. Most things are partially good and partially bad and a little bit right and a little bit wrong. Your favorite political candidate doesn't get to enjoy being good and right while the other one is bad and wrong. When we can remind ourselves of that with everything we think and believe, it can open our minds and allow us to be more compassionate and peaceful in our brains. Number four, trivializing the belief or minimizing the effects, undermining the stats or the proof. Things like red wine and chocolate are good for you. Or I don't really want to start that new business anyway. It's going to weigh me down and I really like the freedom of having just a job. Or I don't know that I want that promotion right now. Seems like a lot of responsibility that I don't need things of that nature. Just be on to how your brain is operating and really question it and wonder whether it's serving you toward your bigger goal or not. Dissonance and this mental uneasiness is what requires us to grow in some way or another. And while it may not be easy or comfortable, it has huge benefits and it can be a really powerful tool. My hope for you is that this topic has opened up your awareness of how your brain works and can play tricks on you in its best effort to maintain the status quo and keep you safe and secure. And although it is very kind of it to do that for you, we can thank it, appreciate it, and then say, thank you very much, brain, but I'm gonna become something new now. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Now, our brains are not gonna stop doing this for us. We're not attempting to make it a goal to prevent our brains from doing this. We want to bring awareness and allow it to best serve us, to learn to be patient with our minds as it works through the resolution on its own time. We wanna watch it carefully and patiently. We wanna call it into question when we see that it's necessary. And then when it finally believes and becomes all that you can become, it will be a sense of accomplishment and reward like nothing you've ever felt. 
And once you become the next version of yourself, you will continue to live in it and not look back. The person you were before is who brought you to where you are, and you can appreciate yourself for that. And whether you want to hold a new position with your company or create a podcast, lose 50 pounds or stop eating sweets, believing and becoming the person who accomplishes that is the key and the power to the lasting long-term success you will have in it. It is simple, but it is not easy. I'd love to help you believe and become all that you want to be, the best version of you. Check us out, strivecoachingstudio.com, to get more great info on this and many other great topics. Thank you for listening. Talk to you again next week. Are you ready for more and to take your business to the next level? Visit us on strivecoachingstudio.com to sign up for more. Oh, 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 oh,